is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You're not going to want to miss tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen, on the West Coast, today's show. I am Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It is not a coincidence that certain United States senators, in particular in the Republican Party, who have lied to their own constituencies, who have abandoned their own principles, are now on the attack to undermine this president, Donald Trump. Donald Trump may not be a constitutional conservative, but he's doing many conservative things, unlike the United States Senate. The advances we have made so far, such as they are, in dealing with the progressive state, have come from the Trump presidency, including the nomination of Gorsuch including deregulations that uh, deregulating regulations that Obama put in place. Very little, if anything, has come from the Republican-controlled Senate or the Republican-controlled House. And these men and women in Congress, Republicans, all they seem to care about is their re-election effort. And they're being exposed. They go home and say one thing, and they come to Washington and do another thing. So they're being called on the carpet. By us, by the president, by others. And they don't like it. Now those who are fighting back the hardest are the worst transgressors. And as a result of being exposed, they choose not to seek re-election. Bob Corker, Jeff Flake, I'll get to both of them. But the fact of the matter is, they cannot win re-election. They cannot win a primary challenge by a decent candidate in their own state. It is their own constituents for whom they have utter contempt. They have pollsters. They've raised a ton of money in a re-election effort. Flake was raising money last week with Condoleezza Rice. But they were told they can't win. It's nothing to do with Trump. They're looking for excuses. So they want you to believe that what they're doing is principled. They haven't done a principled damn thing in their political careers, but they want you to believe that they're leaving on principle. No, they're not. They're leaving because they cannot win re-election. They're cowards. They don't want to run on their records. And they're trying to settle scores now. They're trying to settle scores. Bob Corker is a deceitful, thin-skinned, Fraud. He's an egomaniac. And if you think Trump's tweets are bad, Corker's tweets are repulsive. As a matter of fact, Corker is repulsive. Because he's now going where nobody goes. Insisting that the President of the United States is mentally unfit to be President of the United States. Have you ever heard a senator in the same party say such a thing? which he knows not to be true, which he knows not to be true. And yet because he says the most over-the-top outrageous things, 
because he says these things. He appears regularly now on CNN, on the network shows, on MSNBC. My producer today, at my direction, made multiple attempts to get Bob Corker on this program. The chief of staff, the scheduler, other individuals in his office, we emailed, we left phone messages. Not even the courtesy of a response. Do you want to know why? Because Bob Corker is a fraud. He's a coward. So he runs to the liberal media. He gives them what they want. He burps out these outrageous comments and the liberal media repeat them. I cannot tell you how many times I have been invited on these same programs, on these same networks, on these same cable shows, when I've disagreed with a Republican or this president on a particular issue. And I do not go, because I know the purpose of the left-wing media are not to have a legitimate policy, substantive discussion on these matters. They want me on TV to trash Donald Trump. And if I have criticisms of Donald Trump to make, I'll make them behind my microphone. The difference is between Bob Corker and me and Jeff Flake and me, actually there are many differences. But the major difference when it comes to Trump is I want this president to succeed. They want to sabotage him. For all their talk about a big tent, they wish to burn it down if they don't get their way. And I've seen this many, many times before. I saw it with Arlen Specter not too long ago. Arlen Specter and these these fakes, these frauds, these phonies who say one thing to get elected and do another thing when they're in office. They want you to believe that they're the mature people, that they're the ones who want to govern, that they're the ones who can win, that they're the ones who can repeal Obamacare and secure the border and, and reform our tax system and cut our debt. This is what they run on day in and day out, election cycle after election cycle. And they lie to us. They serially lie to us. And when push comes to shove, like Trump or not, when he says, we said repeal, now repeal, and they don't repeal, he calls them out, Mitch McConnell. When he says, yes, we're going to cut taxes, but no, I don't agree with changing the 401k. And Bob Corker says to the lib media, he needs to butt out. Who the hell does he think he is? Well, of course, the President of the United States needs to respond to a rogue, hack politician like Corker, a lame duck by choice. These men are not to be admired. These men are not to be celebrated. They are to be detested. They are to be dismissed because they seek to rule against the people of their own states. They seek to rule against conservative principles. Please tell me, one thing Bob Corker has done to help restore this republic. Just one thing in what will be two terms. Tell me one thing Jeff Flake did to help restore this republic. Just one thing. Tell me. They voted for Gorsuch? There'd be no Gorsuch but for the fact that Trump nominated him. And they go to the Senate floor and they make these speeches as if they're Daniel Webster. They're no Daniel Webster. They're a joke. History will remember Bob Corker. Not because he was a statesman, but because he was a fool. Now, I want to get to the bottom of this Corker issue, and then we'll get to Flake. 
I want to read this to you from CNN, which is running defense for Bob Corker, because CNN, as opposed to their phony branding now, Facts First, is an organization filled with vipers and liars. And liberal Democrat hacks. Provable in every instance. Here's CNN fact-checking the president's false claim that Corker supported the Iran deal. By Jeremy Diamond, another fake. Trump took to Twitter on Tuesday to claim that Tennessee Republican helped give us the nuclear deal with Iran negotiated by President Barack Obama's administration. Earlier this month, he claimed that Corker is largely responsible for the horrendous Iran deal. Corker, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, was in fact a vehement critic of the deal that emerged from international negotiations in the summer of 2015. After the deal was unveiled, he wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post that Congress should reject this deal and send it back to the president. Now, these are the liars at CNN teaming up with a liar who is Bob Corker. Yes, Bob Corker went to the Senate floor when Barack Obama presented his deal, his agreement with Iran and the other countries to the United States Senate and Congress generally. He opposed it. He wrote an op-ed against it. However, but for Bob Corker, Barack Obama could never have gotten that deal. Because it was Bob Corker who led the effort with Ben Cardin of Maryland to put in place a legislative process that ensured that whatever Obama negotiated with the regime in Tehran and whatever he negotiated with the Russians and the Chinese and the rest of them was going to be the law of the land. Because what Bob Corker did is he ripped the treaty clause out of the Constitution. And even worse, he rewrote it. Rather than two-thirds of the United States senators required to ratify a treaty, the Bob Corker process, which became law, required the Senate of the United States, as well as the House, but the Senate of the United States, to get 67 votes, two-thirds of the senators, to override a presidential veto. That is, rather than the Senate ratifying a treaty with a supermajority, the Senate would have to undo the Obama deal with a supermajority, which was never, ever going to happen. Bob Corker is, in fact, responsible more than any other United States senator for the Iran deal that we have today. And the filthy liars at CNN, the frauds with the facts first, they damn well know it. They know it. And I've been talking about this for years now. Bob Corker ensured that any Iran deal that Obama negotiated would in fact become the law. That's what Bob Corker did. Bob Corker endangered this country. Bob Corker sold out this country. Bob Corker ensured that the Iranians would have nuclear warheads and be able to put them on top of ICBMs. Meanwhile, so deceitful to the people of Tennessee was he, that he goes to the Senate floor when Obama presents his deal, and he lashes out against it, and he writes op-eds against it, and he goes on cable TV going on and on against it, when in fact that man made the Obama-Iran deal, whatever it would be, a fait accompli. He is a deceitful, dishonest man, which is exactly why CNN 
promotes him exactly why MSNBC promotes him, exactly why the networks promote him. They'll promote anything if it comes to destroying this president and his presidency. Bob Corker is the lowest of the low. The lowest of the low. He was considered for vice president and rejected. He was considered for secretary of state and rejected. And this is why he's an angry little man. In particular, this is why he's an angry little man. This is why he has such hate for Donald Trump. And he's been called out as the architect of the Iran deal because it could have been any Iran deal that Obama had negotiated. Thanks to Bob Corker, any Iran deal was going to be the law of the land. He not only eviscerated the treaty clause, he rewrote it and created a horrific precedent. And the people of Tennessee are on to Bob Corker. There's no way he could have won a Republican primary against a strong challenger. And there's no way he could have won a general election without the support of conservatives. So what does he do? What does he do? Becomes the darling of the left. The darling of the left. But even worse, he takes his rhetoric where no Republican senator would take their rhetoric. And that is he starts to question the president's mental stability. His mental fitness for being president of the United States. This is a nasty little man, this Bob Corker, who is now trying to sabotage not just the president, but his own country. Let me repeat that. In putting, in fact, in place a process that enabled Obama to cut any Iran deal, and now trying to destroy the president and the presidency that is trying to confront that Iran deal, while the same president is trying to confront what's going on in North Korea, while the same president is trying to uphold the promises he and his party made on repealing Obamacare, on slashing taxes, Bob Corker every single day now is out there trying to sabotage the president, sabotage his agenda, and sabotage the nation. Mark a year ago, nobody knew who Bob Corker was. Now he's infamous. Famous on the left, infamous to the rest of us. But this phony reporter for CNN, Diamond, being a, uh, a publicist now for Corker, part of the Praetorian Guard, he actually said on the air, quote, This Corker bill was the bill that gave Congress the ability to actually weigh in on the Iran deal, which otherwise the Obama administration would have gone unilaterally, would have done unilaterally, and passed this motion by itself was the Constitution that gave Congress that power, and the Iran deal was indeed unilateral. It was never passed by anyone. You understand what I'm saying? The Iran deal was never passed by Congress. Now let me educate Diamond because he's regurgitating Bob Corker's lies, which are hard to follow because they're so numerous. Corker says, you know, if we didn't have this process that I put in place with my dear friend, left-wing kook Ben Cardin of Maryland, if we didn't have this process... Obama would have unilaterally put this in place by bypassing the Senate altogether. Ladies and gentlemen, I would encourage you to read the Treaty Clause of the Constitution. The United States Senate has an independent constitutional responsibility. If the President of the United States violates the Constitution, takes what in effect should be a treaty, and runs it to the UN or somewhere else, 
Well, then the United States Senate doesn't have to tolerate that. The United States Senate can say, you know what? We're going to treat it as a treaty. And the Republican leader, the majority leader of the Senate, brings it up as a treaty, whether Obama likes it or not. There is nothing, nothing in the treaty clause where the United States Senate has to sit around and wait for the President of the United States, who knowingly violates the Constitution to put in place what is a treaty. And I know there are executive agreements, and all the left-wing kooks will say, wow, so we have executive agreements, everything's not a treaty. Of course that's true. But something of this magnitude involving multiple countries, involving America's national security, involving all these issues, the framers of your Constitution concluded we needed more than one man, or one woman now, a president of the United States, to decide these matters. The broader body politic needed to be involved. And you would think the left would love this idea, since their great hero, Hamilton, they like Hamilton because it's a play on Broadway, their great hero, Hamilton, wrote that damn Federalist paper essay that I'm talking about. Bob Corker's a fraud. CNN's a fraud. They created this horrific deal that we're in while they claim that they didn't. And rather than turning the rhetorical guns on Barack Obama, they turn it on Donald Trump. And really, even more than Trump, they turn it on their own constituencies. I'll be right back. Mark Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Here's Corker in the Capitol. I'll get the flake. Hang in there. We want to be thorough about this. Here's Corker in the Capitol today. Cut nine, go. Look, I, I think the standing up in front of the American people and stating untruths that everybody knows to be untrue, just uh, the attempted bullying uh, that he does, which uh, everybody sees through, just the dividing of our country, the, you know, the name-calling. Now, let's stop right there. This is incredible to me. It really is incredible to me. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there are members of Congress who are adulterers, serial adulterers, and he knows this. There are members of Congress who are drunks, and he knows this. There are members of Congress who say things behind people's backs in the most hard, uh, hard way, and he knows this. What they don't like about Trump is he says what he thinks, and they don't want him to say what he thinks. Let me ask you a question about how unserious this man is. That Republican primary was the bloodiest damn primary I ever saw. And the names back and forth and the viciousness and so forth. And Trump had a lot to do with that. And yet, and yet, little Bobby Corker, little Bobby Corker was very excited about the potential of being vice president to this man. Little Bobby Corker was very very excited about the potential of being Secretary of State under this man. Trump hasn't changed. He is who he is. Bobby Corker would never say these things about Barack Obama, ever. And what exactly has Donald Trump done that's so disastrous or devastating for the United States of America? What has he done? 
He wants to cut your taxes. He wants to secure the border to protect the country. He wants to rebuild the military. He supports local law enforcement. He wants to get rid of the Iran deal if he can't fix it, which threatens our very existence. He's doing his best to deal with North Korea, which he inherited from past presidents of both parties. Corker was in office. He did nothing about it. Meanwhile, conversely, what exactly has little Bobby Corker done for the country? What exactly has he done? I don't know anything little Bobby Corker has done for the country. Do you? Do you? They talk about these untruths and bullying. Tell me, when you take on the Republican establishment in the Senate, as Mike Lee has attempted to do, as Ted Cruz has attempted to do, and others from time to time, what do they do to these men? They bully them. They brutalize them. They threaten them with the withholding of campaign funds. They leak the Politico and the Washington Post and the New York Times against these guys. You want to talk about bullying? That's what guys like Corker do, and McConnell, and Cornyn, and Alexander, and all the rest of the Stooges. This is what they do. Look what they've done to conservatives like us. They've attacked our organizations. They've attacked our candidates. They viciously attack us verbally. And so when somebody stands up to them and fights back, they project onto them. They attack them. Again, whether it's Mike Lee or Donald Trump and so forth and so on. And Mike Lee is the most decent, proper person you can imagine. And yet, their complaint about a guy like Mike Lee is in his language. It's, oh, well, he's a purist. He's an ideologue. And there's a, they always have their reasons now, don't they? This same bunch in the United States Senate had no problem with counting Ted Kennedy among their numbers. No problem at all. Ted Kennedy, a womanizer. Ted Kennedy of Chappaquiddick. Ted Kennedy, the drunk. Oh, yes, I said it. It's all true. No problem whatsoever. None. None. The media in this country had no problem with Bill Clinton as president of the United States, where he's molesting women in the Oval Office, where he molested an intern in the most grotesque way, where he lied under oath in front of a federal judge, where he lied to a federal grand jury. What did they do during that period? Do you remember? They attacked Ken Starr. And they attacked Ken Starr over and over and over again. And what did the Republicans in the Senate do? They didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to deal with it. But now, now they've met, now they've met their problem. Now they, now they cannot tolerate Donald Trump's language and bullying. Now it's interesting to me, as a longtime constitutional conservative and Reaganite is, on many issues, not all, on many issues, Trump has been far more conservative than the Republicans in Congress. And in fact, as I think about this now, if the Republicans in Congress were more conservative than Trump, Trump would be happy to sign their damn legislation if they could ever get it to his desk. If they could ever get it to his desk. The congressional Republicans cannot function. It is a dysfunctional lot. Largely because of people like McConnell and Corker 
and Flake and Collins and Murkowski. So Bob Corker's there saying these things because he knows that he'll become popular among a certain sect. The media sect, the the establishment sect of, uh, of politics. Go ahead. Young people to be watching, uh, not only here in our country, but around the world, uh, someone of this... Ah, shut up, you creep. What do you think of that? What do you think of that, you jerk? Cut 11, go. Do you trust him with access to the nuclear codes? All right, this is a clown. This is a CNN reporter, Manu Raju, who I believe used to write a Politico. He is a complete left-wing hack. A complete left-wing hack. Do you trust him with access to the nuclear codes? That's a question that is, that is put forward as a statement. As a statement. Go ahead. I don't want to go into, you know, I don't want to cripple it here. We're going to be in Stop. Yeah, but he's going to. He's going to. Because he's a snake. Go ahead. Certainly we're going to be addressing the fact that he, with only the one other person on the defense side, um, has tremendous powers. And, um, you know, I have a, um, uh, again, I don't want to. I don't want to carry this much further, but look, I, I expressed concerns a few weeks ago about his his leadership and just his stability and uh, the lack of desire to be competent on issues and understand. That's enough. This guy is is loathsome, absolutely loathsome. The president took action to deal with the Iran deal that Bob Corker is in large part responsible for, for exactly the reasons I said. Endangering our children and our grandchildren, who may have to go to war to stop this. And he poses, he's a poser, as a mature, temperate, even-keeled man, when in fact he's the opposite of these things. He's a man who knows he cannot win re-election. He's a man who was turned down for the vice president. He's a man who was turned down for secretary of state. And now he's doing as much damage as possible. Because he doesn't have to stand for re-election. And the media love him like this Manu Raju, this clown from CNN throwing him. Do you trust him with access to the nuclear codes? Would this clown ever say that about any Democrat ever? Ever? Facts first. No, no, no. Morons. That's what they are. That's what they're about. A day doesn't go by also, ladies and gentlemen, when John McCain doesn't find a reason to attack Donald Trump. Very deferential to Barack Obama. As a matter of fact, when my buddy Bill Cunningham was was, uh, emceeing a campaign event many, many years ago, uh, for McCain, McCain didn't know my buddy Bill Cunningham, a, a well-known uh, radio host who subs here from time to time. Cunningham dared to use Barack Obama's middle name, Barack Hussein Obama. And McCain trashed Bill Cunningham. So concerned was McCain for his opponent. But when it comes to Trump, 
like Cain is setting a personal score. That's what he's settling a personal score. He doesn't like the way Trump treated him and the things Trump said about him. These senators are not putting their country first. I don't care what their backgrounds are. I don't care where they served. I don't care. As today, as of today, as politicians, they are not putting the country first. McCain, who ran for repealing Obamacare, I played the audio, who ran for re-election to repeal Obamacare, then all of a sudden he said, we need bipartisanship, we need regular order, so I'm voting against something that wasn't even a repeal. It was a joke, but still, a repeal in, uh, in name only is better than nothing, I suppose. It doesn't matter. He voted it down. He voted with Schumer. Schumer was so thrilled, and there began McCain's revitalization. And he loves it. And so day in and day out, he trashes the president. And this is going on and on and on. It's a pattern now. Because there's, if you're going to retire, you're not going to run again, there's no political price in trashing the president. In fact, you may get a lucrative book deal or, or the, uh, the media will love you. They're going to want to bring you on these shows. That's what they're going to want to do. And that's what they do. And politicians like nothing more than fawning publicity. Fawning publicity. Now next hour we're going to address Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake, who is a backbencher in the United States Senate, who has done absolutely nothing about anything who ran in a primary and then ran in a general election, really won by a very, very tight margin, and who basically is a Mitch McConnell lapdog. And then he has the gall to talk about traditional conservatism, which is what I defend here each and every day. He has the gall to talk about traditional conservatism. Well, what has he done about traditional conservatism? What has he done about free markets? Nothing. What has he done about anything? When it comes to traditional conservatism, by the way, isn't about open borders. That's radical libertarianism and socialist leftism. That's not traditional conservatism. That's not constitutional conservatism. Never has been and never will be. But what has Jeff Flake done about the debt? Has he said anything? I haven't even heard him say anything. What has Jeff Flake done? To help rebuild the United States military. Where is Jeff Flake gone to endorse and support local law enforcement in this country? I mean, what has he done? Nothing. He goes out of his way to pick fights. And he's gone out of his way to pick fights. He wrote a preposterous book which attempts to restate conservatism. You want to read about conservatism per se? Read Liberty and Tyranny. No brag, just fact. No brag, just fact. He's an awful senator. He's a do-nothing senator. And he was going to get trounced just like Corker. And so they go through this, this drama, this spectacle. I've had enough. No, you don't understand, Flake. Your constituents have had enough of you. That's, not, that's why you're not running for re-election. That's why Corker's not running for re-election. You might be popular on CNN with the conga line of left-wing kooks there. You might be popular in MSLSD with the conga line of left-wing kooks there. You'll be popular in the pages of the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes and all the rest of them. Of course you will. 
The only problem is your constituencies despise you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, which will continue over the top of the hour. Washington Compost linked on the Drudge Report. Clinton campaign, Democrat National Committee paid for research that led to the Russia dossier. That's correct. The Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee helped fund research that resulted in a now famous dossier containing allegations about Donald Trump's connections to Russia and possible coordination between his campaign and the Kremlin. People familiar with the matter said. Mark Elias, a lawyer representing the Clinton campaign in the DNC, retained Fusion GPS, a Washington firm, to conduct the research. After that, Fusion GPS hired dossier author Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence officer with ties to the FBI and the U.S. intelligence community, according to the people. We will continue to discuss this in the next hour. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a massive scandal. Absolutely massive now. The entire story is flipped. No wonder the Democrat Party kept accusing Trump and Trump world of collusion with the Russians. It is they who were in collusion with the Russians. It is they that were coordinating with a former British spy. We will uh, get into this in complete detail after the top of the hour. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss it. And I haven't forgotten Flake. We'll just move him to the third hour, okay? But this is a big, big deal in the Washington compost now. That even makes it sweeter, doesn't it? And hat tip to my man, Matt Drudge, who tipped me off to this. And there it is. Let's talk about education for a minute. Did you know that more than 15 states have begun requiring high school students to pass a basic citizenship test in order to graduate? It's sad that such a test is even necessary. And it shows me that to the extent American civics education even exists anymore, something has gone very wrong with it. That's why besides their free online courses and in Primus, Hillsdale College is making an impact in K-12 education. And here's how. Hillsdale helps found and provides ongoing supporting guidance to classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Thousands of elementary and high school students are enrolled already. And Hillsdale does it all without taking a single penny of taxpayer funding or money from the schools themselves. It's called the Barney Charter School Initiative, and it's revolutionizing K-12 education. You can learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Watch the brief, powerful video about this exciting work and witness the difference Hillsdale is making on thousands of lives across the country. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N, levinforhillsdale.com. This is a big deal. Clinton campaign, DNC, paid for research that led to that Russia dossier, ladies and gentlemen. Washington Compost, they've got one, two, three, let's see, four. Three reporters on the case. I will hit this big time after the top of the hour when I return. But the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC helped fund research that resulted in a now famous dossier containing allegations about Trump's connections to Russia 
and possible coordination between his campaign and the Kremlin. People familiar with the matter said today. No wonder there has been months and months and months of cover-up. Months and months and months of resistance to stating the truth. Going to court to prevent to prevent the people from knowing who was funding this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get right to the bottom of it. I'll see you right after the top of the hour. I'll be back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. The big story is not Jeff Flake. I will deal with him in the third hour. The big story broke just a few minutes ago. In the Washington Compost. Clinton campaign, DNC paid for research that led to Russia dossier. The Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee helped fund research that resulted in a now famous dossier containing allegations about Donald Trump's connections to Russia and possible coordination between his campaign and the Kremlin, people familiar with the matter said. Mark E. Elias a lawyer representing the Clinton campaign in the DNC, retained Fusion GPS, a Washington firm, to conduct the research. So the straw man that the Clinton campaign and the DNC used was a lawyer named Mark Elias to retain Fusion GPS. After that, Fusion GPS hired dossier author Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence officer with ties to the FBI, and the U.S. intelligence community, according to the people. Elias and his law firm, Perkins Coy, retained the firm in April 2016 on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the DNC. Now, have you noticed Hillary Clinton hasn't said a word about this dossier? Have you noticed the DNC hasn't said a word about it? They've all kept their big mouths shut, hoping, hoping that the Praetorian Guard media will protect them. Where is Mr. Perez, the chairman of the DNC? He says nothing. Nothing. Where is Hillary Clinton on her book tours and her media tour? She says nothing. Trump is in collusion with Russia, don't you know? Prior to that agreement, Fusion GBS's research into Trump was funded by a still unknown Republican client during the Republican primary. Who was it? They can't hide under their rock forever. Who was it? The Clinton campaign and the DNC, through the law firm, continued to fund Fusion GPS's research through the end of October 2016, days before Election Day. Fusion GPS gave Steele's reports and other research documents to Elias. The people familiar with the matter said, all right, so GPS, Fusion GPS, and this former spy for Britain, they gave the reports to the Clinton campaign and DNC lawyer. It's unclear how or how much of that information was shared with the campaign and the DNC. Is this a joke? All of it was shared, you idiots, with the uh, Washington Post. And who in those organizations was aware of the roles of Fusion, GPS, and Steel? One person close to the matter, 
said the campaign and the DNC were not informed of Fusion GPS's role by the law firm. Well, I guess we need some subpoenas, some depositions, some grand jury testimony. It's amazing what people will say under oath. The dossier has become a lightning rod amid the intensifying investigation to the Trump campaign's possible connections to the Russia. To Russia. Some congressional Republican leaders have spent months trying to... Now, here you go. Here's the Washington Compost kicking in with its fraud, trying to discredit Fusion GPS and Steel and try to determine the identity of the Democrat organization that paid for it. Elias and Fusion GPS declined to comment on the arrangement. On the arrangement. Spokespersons for the Clinton campaign and the DNC had no immediate comment. Some of the details about Fusion GPS's work are included in an October 24 letter sent by Perkins Coit to a lawyer representing Fusion GPS, telling the research firm it was released from a client confidentiality obligation. The letter was prompted by a legal fight over a subpoena for Fusion GPS's bank records. People involved in the matter said they would not disclose the dollar amounts paid to Fusion GPS, but said the campaign and the DNC shared the costs. Still previously worked in Russia for British intelligence. The dossier is a compilation of reports he prepared for Fusion. The dossier alleged that the Russian government collected compromising information about Trump and the Kremlin, was engaged in an active effort to assist his campaign for president. U.S. intelligence agencies later released a public assessment which asserted that Russia intervened in the 2016 election to aid Trump. The FBI has been investigating whether any Trump associates helped the Russians in that effort. Really? I thought they're now investigating Tony Podesta, of the Podesta clan. That would be John Podesta's older brother. John Podesta, you might remember him, campaign consigliore to Hillary Clinton. Oh, we've got all kinds of collusion going on, America. All kinds of collusion of the Clinton, Obama, Russia, Mueller, Comey type. Trump has adamantly denied the allegations in the dossier and has dismissed the FBI probe as a witch hunt. Fusion GPS's work researching Trump began during the Republican presidential primaries when the GOP donor paid for the firm to investigate the real estate tycoon's background. Donor, donor, wherever you are, come out, come out, because you are going to be revealed one day. Fusion GPS did not start off looking at Trump's Russia ties, but quickly realized that those relationships were extensive, according to people familiar with the matter. When the Republican donors stopped paying for the research, Elias, the lawyer, acting on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the DNC, agreed to pay for the work to continue. The Democrats paid for research, including by Fusion GPS, because of concerns that little was known about Trump and his business interests, according to the people familiar with the matter. I see. So they surreptitiously funded this project because they're patriots. For the first time in the history of the Clintons and the Democrat Party, they were concerned about the Russians. They were concerned that the Russians might be affecting the election and hurting America. Can you imagine the Democrats concerned about hurting America? The Clinton campaign paid Perkins Coy $5.6 million in legal fees from June 2015 to December 2016, according to campaign finance records. And the DNC paid the firm $3.6 million in, quote, legal and compliance consulting since 2015. Though it's impossible to tell from the filings how much of that work 
was for other legal matters. I wonder if Mark Warner, the Tourette-stricken ranking Democrat from Virginia on the Senate Intelligence Committee, is going to be concerned about this. I wonder if Richard Burr, somebody will wake up that buffoon, I wonder if he'll be interested in this. And, of course, we're all sitting with bated breath on the edge of our chairs wondering what John McCain has to say. Or Bob Corker. Not. At no point, these people said that the Clinton campaign or DNC direct steals activities. They described him as a fusion GPS subcontractor. So what? Some of Steele's allegations began circulating in Washington, D.C. in the summer of 2016. As the FBI launched its counterintelligence investigation into possible connections between Trump associates and the Kremlin. Gee, I wonder, is this the same FBI leadership that covered up the Clinton-Obama collusion with Russia that resulted in 20% of American uranium winding up in Russia state hands? Hmm, I wonder. Around that time, Steele shared some of his findings with the FBI. After the election, the FBI agreed to pay Steele. Ah, listen to this. After the election, the FBI agreed to pay Steele the former British spy, to continue gathering intelligence about Trump and Russia. But the Bureau pulled out of that arrangement after Steele was publicly identified in the news report. So it wasn't that the FBI said, oh, we're in the middle of an election. We shouldn't be participating in opposition research against the Republican. No, we shouldn't be doing that. Steele blew his cover, so I guess we better withdraw or we're going to be found out. Ladies and gentlemen, the senior levels of the FBI... The corruption, the politicization, the dishonesty, the leaking is absolutely unparalleled to my knowledge. This dossier was published by BuzzFeed News in January. Fusion GPS has said in court filings it did not give BuzzFeed the document. Official, and by the way, what they don't mention here is that a copy was given to John McCain and his people, and John McCain gave a copy to Comey. What John McCain apparently didn't know is Comey already had a copy. Officials have said the FBI has confirmed some of the information in the dossier. Other details, including the most sensational accusations, have yet to be verified and may never be. Current and former U.S. intelligence officials say Steele was respected by the... Here you go. This is called rehabilitation. The Washington Compost being poured to the Praetorian Guard, they got this leak. They had to report it. But you can see, it goes back and forth like a schizophrenic news operation. we got to report this, but we have to defend the Clintons, Obama, and all the rest. Report, defend. Report, defend. In early January, then-FBI Director James Comey presented a two-page summary of Steele's dossier to President Barack Obama and President-elect Trump. By the way, Trump has said that as he looks back on events, this is me speaking, not the Washington Compost, he now views this as a threat that Comey was basically saying, look what we have on you, Donald Trump. In May, Trump fired Comey, which led to the appointment of Robert S. Mueller III, a special counsel investigating the Trump-Russia matter. Congressional Republicans have tried to force Fusion GBS to identify the Democratic group behind Steele's work, but the firm has said that it would not do so, citing confidentiality agreements with its clients. Last week, Fusion GPS executives invoked their constitutional right not to answer questions from the House Intelligence Committee. If it's a Republican, we call it asserting their Fifth Amendment. The Fifth. The firm's founder, Glenn Simpson, has previously given a 10-hour interview to the Senate Judiciary Committee. By the way, a reporter at the t- previously for the 
Wall Street Journal. Over objections from Democrats, the Republican leader of the House Intelligence Committee, Representative Devin Nunes, subpoenaed Fusion GPS's bank records in order to try to identify the mystery client. Let me tell you something. This Nunes deserves a Medal of Freedom. This stuff was leaked to the Washington Post in what I assume was an effort at damage control because they knew Nunes was on to them. They knew Nunes was going to go to court. They figured Nunes might actually get these records, and they instead leaked the basic information to the Washington Compost, hoping for a spin. Fusion GPS has been fighting the release of its bank records. The judge in the case could issue a decision as early as Tuesday. Well, today is Tuesday, so I guess they figure that maybe the judge will stay up till midnight and issue it. The judge, by the way, was appointed by Barack Milhouse Hussein Obama. Now you know the rest of the story. Isn't this fascinating? What will CNN do? What will Rachel Maddow do over at MSLSD? What will Dan Rather do? What will... What will they all do? What will they do over at the morning schmo, the schmo and Mrs. Schmo, and the little schmoettes, and the North Korean generals who watch the schmo and the schmoettes and Mrs. Schmo? What will they all be thinking? Over at CNN, will Don Lemon be writing a letter to Hillary Clinton from himself and his family? Will he be crying when it's all over? Inquiring eyes want to know. What about Wolf Blitzer? Will somebody wake him up? Will he actually become a newsman? What will he do with it? And, of course, there's Brian Stetzler. Brian Stetzler, a hero of Towson State University, as I understand it, where I believe he attended school. The little fat guy, as we like to call him affectionately here. What will Brian Stetzler Stelzer have to say about it? The cover-up proceeds. You can thank Devin Nunes for bringing the litigation that made this information, I'm sure, available because it was leaked to the Washington Compost. Not the Senate Intelligence Committee. Way too mature over there. Way too bipartisan. They're never going to do anything like this. So, bottom line, the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee helped spend a fortune to continue the dossier research, the opposition research, filled with Kremlin lies on Donald Trump, and they covered it up from the American people, Hillary and her campaign. I didn't know what my campaign was doing. I had, shut up. Shut up. There's a lady, with all due respect, that needs attention. She shouldn't be traveling the country talking about anything. And the DNC, we thought they were the victims of the Russians, didn't we? Oh, yes, 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 their database was tapped into. While they were paying for information against Trump. But don't worry, they weren't paying the Russians directly. No, no, no. They weren't paying the former British spy directly. No, no, no. They paid a front group that they knew would do all their dirty work for them. And they hoped by paying through a lawyer, a lawyer paying to a front group, the front group going to an ex-British spy, they thought they would cover up all their tracks. For months, they lied. Lied in silence. Never confessed. Pretty incredible. This is pretty incredible. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Jeff Flake thing next. We got a lot to digest tonight. There's a lot going on. And uh, I just want to lay this out after the bottom of the hour, and then I will go to the phones. I know you're very, very anxious to talk about Corker, about Flake, about this incredible revelation. It wasn't a Democrat donor that picked up the funding for this effort. It was the Clinton campaign and the DNC. That's how sleazy this was and is. And our great American media, our Praetorian Guard media, all the time when the Clinton campaign and the DNC was funding this dossier, never discovered it, and if they discovered it, never reported it. So anxious, so hopeful were they that the dossier would destroy the, the Trump presidency. So anxious and hopeful were they that it was accurate. We have a special counsel who was appointed to investigate Russian collusion without a statutory basis for any violation. And yet, look what's swirling around us. Bill Clinton makes half a million dollars in a speech in Moscow around the same time that the Obama administration, including Hillary and Holder or their surrogates, approve a deal that results in the Russians getting 20% of America's uranium? Have you ever heard of anything so outrageous? Ever? And 140-some million dollars, as Peter Schweizer has written in camp in uh, Clinton cash, he was right. 140-some million dollars wind up at the Clinton Foundation? Meanwhile, she's violating the Espionage Act on a separate matter, and she runs for President of the United States. Comey decides two months before, before he even interviews her, or 20 other witnesses, or looks at their laptops, that she's innocent, and that's that, makes a press conference, what we all thought was outrageous, and now we know, as a cover for Hillary, to prevent any intrepid prosecutor from even considering to bring charges against her. We also now know that Mr. Mueller, as head of the FBI, kept the information about the bribes, about all the rest of it involving this uranium stuff. He kept it from Congress. For years. We also know the U.S. attorney involved in the case. Mr. Rosenstein. Didn't bring charges. For years. I'll be right back. in time for Halloween. The Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi nightmare continues. Call in now. 877-381-3811. And just remember who the number two of the FBI has been. This guy McCabe, whose wife is a liberal Democrat, ran for the state senate in the Commonwealth of Virginia, received over a half a million dollars of support from the Cook governor of Virginia, McAuliffe. And um, was acting FBI director for a short period when Comey was fired. And he's still there as the number two FBI guy. 
This whole thing stinks to high heaven, all these scandals. There's multiple scandals now involving the Obama administration, Clinton. Some have ensnared Mr. Mueller, the uranium scandal. They all seem to involve in one way or another Mr. Comey. Incredible. And this lawyer, Mark Elias. This lawyer, Mark Elias, according to the Washington Post. I just did a Google search on this guy, and it's dangerous because Wikipedia lies about me. I'm going to do a, a 30 minutes on this in a week or two, Wikipedia, and what, it's, what it is trying to do to me. Because it will not stop the leftists from writing what they write. But this guy, Mark Elias, who represents the Clinton campaign, he didn't represent the Clinton campaign. He was general counsel of the Clinton campaign. But he represented the Clinton campaign in the DNC. He retained Fusion GPS. He was the money man, the bag man. He served as lead counsel to Senator Al Franken in the 2008 Minnesota Senate election recounting contest. He represents the Democrat National Committee, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and the Democratic Governors Association. He's represented the leadership of the House of Representatives and U.S. Senate Democrats. He's testified before committees in both houses of Congress, before the FEC. He's worked on voting rights and redistricting lawsuits, obviously against Republicans, in Virginia, Ohio, Nevada, Minnesota, New York, Wisconsin, Texas, Florida, and North Carolina. So he's a left-wing lawyer. He's a hitman. And he was general counsel, according to this, for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. And he's the one who retained Fusion GPS. And it is crucial. It is crucial that the two Judiciary Committees of the House and the Senate it is crucial that both intelligence committees in the House and the Senate call this guy Ellis up to testify under oath. Call him up under oath. If he won't come, subpoena him. This guy, Mark Elias, he knows where all the bodies are buried. Did he get the reports? Did he distribute the reports? If so, to whom did he distribute the reports? Did he work with the FBI? Did he work with Chris Steele? I don't know. I'm asking the questions. This guy, Mark Elias, who I never heard of before. But it sounds like he's involved in this top to bottom. And the law firm, Perkins Coy. Bill Gates' dad used to be a partner in the Perkins law firm, just so you know. So this law firm, and Elias in particular, retained, excuse me, retained this Fusion GPS in April 2016 on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the DNC. So this guy Elias knows a ton. Now the question is, will Mr. Mueller and his FBI agents, will they stormtroop their way into Mr. Elias' apartment when he's sleeping in bed with his wife, spend 10 hours going through everything they own, including his clothing? To see what he knew, when he knew it, if he knew anything, which obviously he did, about the Fusion GPS activity. And how much the Kremlin was involved in feeding this former British spy information, who in turn fed it to Fusion GPS. The firm retained by Mr. Elias, the general counsel of the Clinton campaign, who also represented the DNC. Oh, this is dirty. This is dirty. Right, Mr. Elias? And Mr. Elias, by the way, 
You are free to come on this program. Contact Mr. Producer. You are free to come on this program and talk. And talk about this article. And talk about the rest. I assure you he will assert confidentiality, attorney-client privilege, attorney work product. He'll, he'll assert it all. But in the face of a criminal investigation, if there is one, uh, Mr. Elias's assertions, many of them, will fall by the wayside. So now we have this character, Mark Elias, this lawyer. Right in the middle of this Washington Compost story. Right in the middle. He's the guy that retains Fusion GPS. Why did he retain Fusion GPS? How much was Fusion GPS paid by the Clinton campaign and the DNC? This guy, Mark Elias, I just read you some of the information. He knows all these left-wing Democrats. He knows them all. He's the go-to guy. Why are they focused on Manafort? Or Carter? Or any of these guys? Looks like Mark Elias is the guy. Certainly one of them. You know, we have a wonderful new sponsor. And the sponsor's name is Captira. Do you know how to spell Captira? You can spell it phonetically, just like it sounds. Cap, C-A-P, Tira, T-E-R-R-A, Cap, Tira. Here's something I've realized. There's a software solution to just about every business, every business need. And you can find yours on captira.com. Whether you're a startup looking to keep better track of customers, a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, or a thousand other reasons, Captira's got you covered. Captira has over 400 categories of business software for you to choose from. Anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting, and you can think of it. Captira makes it easy to find what you're looking for. They have thousands of ratings and reviews from actual software users just like you, so you can know what the best software is. Best of all, using Captira, absolutely free. Hello, it's absolutely free. Captira connects you with the business software that will help you do what you do better. Check them out. Just check them out. Here's where you go. Visit captira.com slash Levin today and join the millions of people who use Captira. All right. That's Captira, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A. Just like it sounds phonetically, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. That's captira.com slash Levin, captira.com slash Levin. Check it out. These, uh, this, this is a, a, an all-purpose site that will send you and show you what you need to improve your business, make it more successful, to expand your nonprofit organization and make it more efficient. It really is a wonderful, wonderful service. That's captira.com, captira.com, slash Levin, slash Levin. All right. We have to multitask here, but who better than I? Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake had a big announcement on the floor of the Senate. He grabbed everybody's attention, you see, because he's attacking the president. If he'd been attacking Chuck Schumer, he'd get no airtime whatsoever. Attacking Nancy Pelosi, nothing. Nothing. Attacking his colleague, Susan Collins, who's a saboteur, nothing. Attacking Trump, well, that's virtuous, you see. Jeff Flake had no chance of winning the Republican primary. He had no chance of being re-elected United States Senator. So he decided to do a swan song. 
he decided to do a swan song. He decided he was going to go up and play the role of a Shakespearean figure. Go up on the balcony and uh, give one of his speeches before taking a political uh, nosedive. Jeff Flake broke his trust with the citizens of Arizona. He deceived them. He can try and wrap himself in traditional conservatism, Reaganism, constitutional conservatism, but he's none of those things. He's none of those things. His conduct, his conduct, his actions, demonstrate he's a go-along entrenched rhino. That's not how they campaign. That's not the basis for his election. And the way I see it, the people of America are sick and tired of liars. They're sick and tired of liars. People lying to get elected. Lying to get elected. He was the most vulnerable Republican running. So he said, I have an idea. I'll cease being a backbencher. The media will drag me to the front of the line. I'll get my 15 minutes of fame. And then maybe I'll join a think tank again. Or who knows what. Here in part is what he said. I I warn you it's going to upset you, but cut one, go. Mr. President, I rise today to address a matter that has been very much on my mind. At a moment when it seems that our democracy is more defined by our discord and our dysfunction than by our own values and principles, uh, let me begin by noting a somewhat obvious point that these offices that we hold are not ours indefinitely. We're not here simply to mark time. Sustained incumbency is certainly not the point of seeking office. And there are times when we must risk our careers in favor of our principles. Well, that's fascinating. Number one, you got guys sitting there who are very long in the tooth, well into their 80s, and they won't leave. So for some of them, this is about marking time. It is about them and not the country. Number two, please don't. Please don't become a complete laughing stock. You're already a laughing stock, but a complete laughing stock? Risk your careers in favor of principles? You and your colleagues haven't risked your careers in favor of principles. In fact, quite the opposite. You've destroyed your careers because you've abandoned your principles. Go ahead. Now is such a time. It must also be said that I rise today with no small measure of regret. Regret because of the state of our disunion. Did you rise with concern about regret during the Obama administration and in a state of disunion? Of course not. Why would you do that? The media wouldn't love you then. You'd be a right-wing kook. Go ahead. Regret because of the disrepair and destructiveness of our politics. Regret because of the indecency of our discourse. You know, this is amazing to me. The destructiveness of our politics. Why? Because all of us won't just go along with what is for the entrenched rhinos and their counterparts uh, the uh, predictable decline of the nation. Some of us believe we ought to fight this so-called inevitable, predictable decline of the nation. See, the destructiveness, ladies and gentlemen, that's you and me, they think. Everything goes along swimmingly, except when you actually demand they follow the principles they run on. Except when you realize what the debt is. Except when you realize what's going on in immigration. Except when you realize all these things and you object. See, you're the destructiveness of our politics, according to a guy like this. The indecency of our discourse? 
There's no question our discourse can be better. But the indecency of our discourse? Really? This is a body that considered Ted Kennedy to be the lion of the Senate. Ted Kennedy was the Harvey Weinstein of the Senate. Just like Bill Clinton was the Harvey Weinstein of the presidency. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C., have a very high standard for you and me, and a very low standard for themselves. Not all of them, but too many of them. So the Harvey Weinstein of the United States Senate is the lion of the Senate, Ted Kennedy. And the Harvey Weinstein of the presidency, Bill Clinton, well, he, you know, it's a personal matter. It's a private matter. Got to go after Ken Starr. Apparently none of that uh, grabbed uh, Mr. Flake's attention. Go ahead. Because of the coarseness of our leadership. Regret for the compromise of our moral authority. And by our, I mean all of our complicity in this alarming and dangerous state of affairs. It is time for our complicity and our accommodation of the unacceptable to end. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. They have backed the Trump agenda from day one. Stop being complicit. And they've tolerated Trump from day one, haven't they? Stop being complicit. Did Jeff Lake vote for Trump? I don't know if he did or not. I, I, I don't know. Cut to, Mr. Producer, go. In this century, a new phrase... Well, you, know what? Entered- you know what? We have a hard break coming up. Let me, let's hold on to cut two at the top, and I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. particularly interesting about this. This is the fifth column. Guys like Flake and Corker and McCain, they're not really fighting Trump on principle. Flake can claim he is, but I see no principles that Flake has been promoting at any time during his Senate career. McCain certainly isn't fighting on principle. He abandoned those decades ago. And of course, Corker has no principles. He's a Svengali. He's a chameleon. He is a self-aggrandizer. So this is a fifth column. Every bit as much as the effort to undermine the election results by the left, you now have Republicans who are attempting to undermine the election results, not from the right, but from the Republican Party, the progressive elements of the Republican Party. You don't see Mike Lee doing this sort of stuff, as an example. And he's the gold standard for conservatism. So you have now a fifth column, a strange alliance of hard left radical progressives, and the Corker, uh, Flake, McCain, and others, their ilk, who have as their purpose to sabotage this presidency, to make it a failure. And when Mitch McConnell goes on and on about we got to back winners. He doesn't really mean that. We have to back sycophants. That's what he means. Sycophants who will go along with him and K Street and the lobbyists and the progressives and all the rest of it. I mean, what exactly is it that Donald Trump has done that's so horrific that the Republicans can't get behind him? 
cut taxes, repeal aspects of Obamacare, secure the border, build up the military, confront the North Koreans and the Iranians. Honest to God, what is it that he's done that's so horrible? I can't think of anything. You know, attention gun owners out there, can you say with 100% confidence that your family and home are safe? What if you defend yourself too soon? Do you, know, do you know exactly what to say and what to do with your gun when law enforcement arrives? Here's how you can take a simple and rewarding journey to concealed carry and home defense confidence. It's called the 2017 Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide, and it's from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association, and it's 100% free. You'll learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, the safest and most dangerous places to sit in a restaurant, how to responsibly own and store a gun, even if you have little ones, and a whole lot more. It's 164 page, really kind of a book. It comes with a bonus audio version so you can listen in your car. This life-changing guide is 100% free, and for a limited time, you'll also get a bonus. A bonus home defense checklist. So visit DefendThem.com right now for 100% free instant access. Once again, that's DefendThem.com, DefendThem.com. Lots going on in this country, lots going on in Washington, and very little of it good. Very little of it good. Have you noticed we conservatives, we don't try to take out Republican presidents. How many conservatives, I mean politically, obviously, how many conservatives tried to take out George W. Bush for his two terms? How many conservatives went to the floor of the Senate, obviously not talking about the manner in which he speaks and so forth, he's a very decent man, talking about his policies, many of which were absolutely disastrous. This isn't a personal attack, just a fact. Do you remember any conservatives going to the Senate floor? I've had enough! I've had enough with this guy! I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-381, you're not going to believe this. All right, here we go. The Hill newspaper, John Solomon, an intrepid real journalist. Republicans investigate Russian-granted U.S. entry by Obama administration while under FBI investigation for bribery. The Obama administration awarded a visa, allowing a top Russian nuclear executive to enter the United States after the FBI had already gathered substantial evidence. He was involved in a racketeering scheme involving bribery, Kickbacks, extortion, and money laundering, court records show. <clears throat> the records show 10X executive Vadim Mikarin was engaged in illegal conduct as early as the fall of 2009. Yet he was allowed to enter the country by the Obama administration with an L1 temporary work visa when he arrived in December 2011. Mikarin's visa was renewed in August 2014 
just months before he was arrested and charged with extortion, the records show. He and his company applied for the visa in the summer of 2011, records show. The lengthy delay is now being investigated by multiple GOP-led congressional committees. All right, let me circle back and explain. For nearly four years, these kickbacks were going on, these buy-offs, these schemes, where Russia, this front man for 10X, was bribing his way to control over certain aspects of our uranium activities in this country, particularly transportation and so forth. I know this is complicated. Just stick with me. For years, this information was kept from the committees of Congress with oversight. For years, the assistant FBI director in charge of counterintelligence investigations, in an earlier piece, said he was not informed about this. You know who knew about this? Mueller. Mueller, our special counsel, their special counsel. You know who else knew about this later? Comey. So here we have this Russian, who's obviously here doing Putin's dirty work, spreading cash around, cash around, to influence decisions, bribery, kickbacks, extortion, money laundering, court records show. You know who the U.S. attorney in Maryland was who eventually prosecuted? Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general of the United States. He sat on it, too. Let's continue. It's concerning that a suspected criminal was able to apply for and renew a work visa while being under FBI investigation. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley wrote in a letter, officials for the FBI, state, and homeland security did not return calls and emails seeking an explanation why Mickerin was granted a visa after the FBI already had evidence he was engaging in wrongdoing. Officials familiar with the law enforcement issues involving visas said it was possible the FBI evidence on Mickerin was not flagged in databases checked by state and homeland before Mickerin was granted entry. Of course, they're busy unmasking Americans. They added another possibility was that the FBI asked the agencies to allow Mickerin to enter the country so they could monitor his activities as part of a larger counterintelligence operation. Only one problem with that. The assistant director for counterintelligence investigations wasn't aware of it. The adequacy of visa safeguards was raised anew by Homeland Security's own internal watchdog, and it goes on. So that just keeps adding up and up and up. Does it not, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it does for me. All right, hit the brakes. I don't lose my place. We want to go back to the late, great Jeff Flake who's now being celebrated for all his brilliance, the Churchill of our time, the Thatcher of our time, the Reagan of our time. What has he done? Nobody knows. But he's very offended. We know that. And he goes to the Senate floor and gives a speech, a, like you know, a, dra- a dramatic. He doesn't give a speech really for you and me. He doesn't give a speech for the constituents of Arizona. He's giving it to the lib media. Cut three, Mr. Producer. Go. Reckless, outrageous, and undignified I mean, behavior. Yeah. Are you there, Rich? Cut three, Has Mr. Producer. Excused and countenanced yes. as telling it like it is, when it is actually just reckless, outrageous, and dignified and undignified. And when such behavior emanates from the top of our government, it is something else. It is dangerous to a democracy. 
Such behavior does not project strength because our strength comes from our values. It instead projects a corruption of the spirit and weakness. It is often said that children are watching. Well, they are. And what are we going to do about that? When the next generation asks us, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you speak up? What are we going to say? Mr. President, I rise today to say enough. We must dedicate ourselves to making sure that the anomalous never becomes the normal. With respect and humility, I must say that we have fooled ourselves for long enough that a pivot to governing is right around the corner, a return civility and stability right behind it. We know better than that. First of all, why is he out of breath? Why is he breathless? So, ladies and gentlemen, we need to turn return to normalcy. A Barack Obama presidency, a Nancy Pelosi Speaker of the House, maybe Schumer is the majority leader. Some of these guys don't know what it's like to govern. They're scared of governing. But they get nothing done. It is a dysfunctional Republican Congress. Dysfunctional. And there's a handful of them who keep voting with the Democrats. Cut four, go. Here today, I stand to say that we would be better served. We would better serve the country by better fulfilling our obligations under the Constitution by adhering to our Article I old normal, Mr. Madison's doctrine of separation of powers. This genius innovation which affirms Madison's status as a true visionary and for which Madison argued in Federalist 51, held that the equal branches of our government would balance and counteract with each other, if necessary. Ambition counteracts ambition, he wrote. But what happens if ambition fails to counteract ambition? What happens if stability fails to assert itself in the face of chaos and instability? You know, it, it amazes me to hear this lecture when the branch of government that's totally out of control is the judiciary. Uh, and that's what he meant by ambition, ambition of power. Not that somebody uses words that, that Mr. Flake may not like or I may not like or anybody may not like. See, I'm smart enough, mature enough, just like the rest of you to look at the substance of what's taking place in this country. Let us recall, Trump is a counterpuncher. That's what he is. Look at the things that Corker has said about Trump. Trump hasn't said those things about Corker. Look at the things Flake is saying about Trump. Trump hasn't said those things about Flake. I know what they want. Another Bush presidency or or maybe sort of a Ford presidency. You know, something like that. Where the game is, look, you, you campaign, you say all these uh, Ronald Reagan-esque type things, but just don't be a Reagan, just don't be, just, just, just operate within the box. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you, when we get this Article 5 Convention of States matter really pushed, when we get close to 20 states, hopefully, one day soon, You watch how they turn their rhetorical guns, their political guns on you and me. They hate us. This is the truth. It's not about Trump. 
It's not about Mike Lee. It's not about Cruz. It's not about. It's about you and me. They despise us. They would have been thrilled if Eric Cantor remained in office. They would have been thrilled if if Baynard remained Speaker. They want hope above hope for McConnell to remain. That this is who they are. This is what they want. The only time they step outside the box is to step outside the box with the left to make deals with the left, which they're making, by the way, right now an amnesty for the. Uh, For the Dreamers. They're working on an amnesty deal for the Dreamers. Is that what they campaigned on? Is that what they said? Amnesty for the Dreamers? I don't remember that one either. Do you? No. And so you object to these sorts of things, and uh, and there's something wrong with you. They call you nativists and restrictionists. You hit back with strong words, and then there's something wrong with you. You must be mentally unstable. Well, Bob Corker sounds mentally unstable to me. He certainly does. He sounds like he's he's insane to me and uh, intellectually corrupt. But there you have it. Go ahead. If decency fails to call out indecency, were the shoe on the ah, other... Get off your high horse. If decency fails to call off in- indecency, look around you. Look at the clowns you're serving with. Are those all decent people? Are those all moral people? Tell me the truth. The answer is no. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Meanwhile, Trey Gowdy on Fox News told Martha McCallum that... uh, via uh, Right Scoop that uh, he's been interviewing witnesses with respect to Russia collusion and there's not a single witness who has evidence of Russian collusion. Not a single witness. Collusion that is with the Trump campaign. So we have this explosion of scandals involving the Obama administration, the Clintons, some instances, the top levels of the FBI, uh, this guy, Mark Elias, with the Fusion GPS, an explosion of scandals. With so many facts, they're even difficult to follow. Difficult to follow. Let's go to Steve, Springfield, Missouri, the great case, KSGF. Sorry, KSGF. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. You Senators Corker and McCain. And Flake all supported Donald Trump in going into the election. And now they've No, 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 no. McCain really didn't support him, and Flake didn't either. Well, they did not support him. And Corker wanted to be vice president. Corker wanted to be secretary of defense. No, he wanted to be vice president and then, no. Wanted to be vice president and then secretary of state. That's what he interviewed for. Okay. Very well. But nevertheless... They've seen the reality of the situation. They they stood up, spoke truth to power. No, they didn't. They're the ones in power. They're the ones that control the uh, the levers of power in the Senate. McCain voted. You favor repealing Obamacare, sir? No, of course not. Oh, why? Of course you, not. You want to leave twenty million people without health? Yeah, that's no. I want to leave eighty million people without health care, pal. No, no, no. no. 
You, 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 you're just a mouthpiece for the left. 20 million people without health care. Tell me, sir, where'd you get that figure from? Well, it's not hard to find. Well, why don't you tell the nation? You must have found it. Where'd you find it? This is the crap being put out by your party. I never found it. This is the crap that's put out by your party. And what the Congressional Budget Office is saying, all these people are going to drop out who don't want to pay into Obamacare. That's where most of them come from. And you treat it like 20 million people aren't going to be covered. People want to escape Obamacare. Defecting from Donald Trump. And there's going to be more of this. Sir, I'm answering your question, and you don't have any facts. I didn't call to talk about Obamacare. Well, you brought it up. about about the senators that are standing up. Tell me, what has Jeff Flake done for Arizona? Can you give me one thing, since you're since you want to talk about the senators speaking truth to power? What have they done? What What did Jeff Flake do for Arizona? I'm not from Arizona, but oh, so you don't know anything about truth to power. Tell me, sir, about Corker. You like the Iran deal, don't you? I like the fact there are some Republican senators. But this is my point. You're a liberal Democrat, and you like Flake. You're a liberal Democrat, and you like Corker. Exactly. That's my point. They're Republicans. Exactly. So they say they are. So you like the Iran deal. Corker uh, greased the skids for the Iran deal. You like the Obamacare uh, deal. And, of course, McCain ensured that it would be continued. So good. You should be happy. What's your problem? Oh, I'm happy. I just wanted to point out that there's a lot of Republican senators that are defecting from this Trump administration. There were a lot of Republican senators who defected from Reagan, too. When Reagan tried to get rid of the Department of Education, I lived eight years in that administration. You know who defected and prevented him from getting rid of the Department of Education? The Republicans. Okay. You know who defected and wouldn't allow Reagan to cut domestic spending to the extent he wanted to cut domestic spending? The Republicans. Yeah. All right. Thanks for your call. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. Mike Chattanooga, Tennessee, the great WGOW. Go. Professor Levin, honored to speak to you again, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that, that was some good comeback on that fellow. I just wanted to check in on the Corker situation. I know the man personally. I interviewed him several times when I was in the business when he was mayor of Chattanooga. Good man. Uh as far as personally, but when he went to Washington and, uh, as you put it so adequately, uh, greased the slids and uh, changed the treaty provision, a lot of conservatives have said, uh, wait a minute. I don't think, and I agree with your analysis, he said, your analysis being that he simply knew he could not win. That's why he's backing out now. I, I spoke to a friend of mine, a co-worker today, who brought up that he knew him also and said between mayoral and congressional, he ran into him and said, uh, well, what are you uh, running for now? He said, oh, nothing. And he said, well, I, okay, good. He left. He turned around and looked back. This was in the public place. And said Bob was like, that's a pump in the hands. He said, oh, yeah. said he was sucking for the votes. The man wants power, recognition, and acceptance. And he is a good man. But 
that's his weakness. Well, he doesn't sound like a good man to me when you talk about the president being mentally unfit. Uh, that sounds to me like a very little man, quite frankly. All right, Mike, I appreciate your call very much. And all I know is Trump didn't do anything to endanger this nation. Actually, it was Bob Corker who did something really, really dangerous, uh, eviscerating the treaty clause, reversing how the vote is supposed to go. Uh, now that the House or Senate have never voted for this deal, all the House or the Senate were free to do was to try and prevent it. And because the numbers were impossible, impossible, under the deal that uh, that Corker created, uh, Obama was always going to get whatever he wanted. So when Corker and his friends at CNN and the Washington Compost go on and on about, well, Corker voted against the deal, and he was vehemently against the deal, that is about as dishonest as it gets, because Corker created the circumstances in which anything Obama wanted was going to get, uh, could not be repealed. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, speaking to the four out of five Americans who are literate at 877-381-3811. You know, Brian Kilmeade is a buddy of mine. It's not like we get together all the time, but when we do, we have a lot of fun. And he's a very smart guy, and he's kind of a self-educated historian. Brian Kilmeade, how are you, my friend? Mark, how you doing? You know, it's coming up on our anniversary. Uh, every year around this time, we get together somewhere in the Virginia-Washington area, and I have my signings this coming weekend, but I don't want to put too much pressure on you because I know you have a lot of other interests. I really would be there. I have to be in Florida, seriously, and oh, not really? to get a okay. tan or anything. But you're, you're going to be at Barnes Noble at Tyson's Corner, McLean, Virginia on Saturday, right? Yeah, then over to Fredericksburg, birthplace of George Washington. That's incredible. Man, I would have come, seriously. I would have. We would well, have. We got to figure out some other meeting place then. We will. We have well. to have a date. Um, you've written a great book, Andrew Jackson and the Miracle of New Orleans: The Battle That Shaped America's Destiny. Let's get started. A lot of people don't even know about this miracle, do they? I mean, put it this way: we learn in school, and they're not entirely wrong. You don't need to fight this battle. It was a big one for America. We didn't need to fight it because communication was bad. They already signed the Treaty of Ghent. And if you look at documents now recovered, thanks to Ron Dres, he's an elite historian, uh, decorated Marine from the Vietnam War, he's helped me a lot. All these historians helped me tremendously. And you find out that the British had uh, every intention of holding and keeping America down, holding on to New Orleans, holding on to the Mississippi, the mouth, which is all you need, because you control what comes in and out, and America would have been struck at 18 states. And they, they did not want this democracy thing. They did not like the idea of rotation and this election thing. It was endangering them. And if it wasn't for this, this American-born, self-educated uh, military mastermind going on his gut, uh, Major General Andrew Jackson, it would have worked. And uh, miraculously, America was able to hold off the finest fighting force in the world, the, the force that Wellington's invincibles, that, that stopped Napoleon, could not stop Andrew Jackson. So let's start at the beginning. When did this battle begin? I mean, first off, 1812. I, have you been through the White House and seen the burn marks where the British burned down uh, the White House? Oh, yes. I worked so over I, there at one point. Yeah, and the people pointed out to you, they just walked through. I mean, I was always amazed by it, and I was mm -hmm. always fascinated by this war and how horrible it was going. Anyone who thinks, uh, Mark, you know, the world's coming to an end, Jeff Flake has a little speech, and uh, Corker's out of his mind. Uh, the world's coming to an end. Our system's falling apart. Think about this. 
uh, we're getting annihilated in a war that we started because the British provoked us into it, and justifiably they deserved it, but we were not ready. And it got so bad, they burned down our Capitol, our White House, and almost killed our president. And who was the president? It was a five foot four inch James Madison. And he and fled. He, he fled. Uh, he tried to fight. Our militias ran. They were not organized. And even though we outnumbered them, they, they just raided and took over the White House uh, and burned it to the ground. First finished the dinner that was planned for Madison and his guests. And then they burned the place down. And then they just wanted to finish us off. We stood tall in Baltimore, took out the man that burned Washington, uh, Admiral Ross. And then they said, no big deal. We'll take you in uh, Fort Boyer. That didn't work. We'll meet you in New Orleans and we'll finish you off. And that's when they met into Major, Andrew, uh, Major uh, General Andrew Jackson, who put together a purely American army. What I mean by American, uh, free men of color. I'm talking about American Indians that were sided with our side, French, Cajuns, pirates, regular Marines, militias. And even though we're outnumbered virtually two to one, we took them out within 45 minutes. And how did he take him out within 45 minutes? He built a berm, which is a mini wall, and dug a moat called the Rodriguez Canal and filled it up with water. He figured out how to block us from get, block the British from getting to Bourbon Street by Christmas. And after a few skirmishes, they thought they had the battle plan to solve it, and they were going to throw ladders up over it and climb over and take us. But evidently, they lost their courage because they knew it was a suicide mission. And our guys, our Kentuckians, and, and our uh, and our uh, Tennesseans were, were great shots. And if they weren't great shots, they didn't eat. They shot for a living. We had better guns, and the British could not adapt the way Americans could adapt. And the general conscripted everybody he could, inspired. Uh, he was revered and feared, and he inspired, although suffering from dysentery, down to 6'1", 140 pounds, uh, had his men take them out. They did not miss when fired. They kept the composure. They kept it together. And I think uniquely American Army. It wasn't all white. It wasn't all black. It was white, black, Indian, uh, Cajun. As he said, men of tea. I don't care if, you're, if your color is tea or black. You'll be treated the same, get paid the same. You'll get the same guns. And, and Jackson inspired it. And it was such a big deal. He became the most famous man in America. And later on, he propelled to two terms in the White House. And this is a guy, Mark, and I know I'm not telling you anything new, but at 13, he was an orphan. He was fighting the Revolutionary War because he loved this country. And the country basically raised him. And he didn't make excuses. He didn't become a, 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 he didn't become a, um, a criminal. He became a lawyer. He became a congressman, a, a senator, and dare I say a judge. And then became a major general volunteering to keep a militia together in Tennessee. And, of course, they looked down on him because he was a backwoodsman and he wasn't with the elite in Virginia and Massachusetts. And he had to convince them to take him seriously. And, and the parallels between the way Trump was looked at when he ascended into the presidency and the way, way uh, Jackson's looked at absolutely blows me away. I don't know. Did Jackson have a foul mouth? Yeah. <laughs> Were senators jumping up and decrying that? Let me ask I you this. I him. Yeah. So after this battle, yeah. Jackson is this enormously popular man. Right. What does he do with that popularity? Well, he goes back to the hermitage. He starts, he starts looking at how to give back next, and he realizes, you know, there's been a big push for these people that were, now we call them flyover country. Then they were, they were you know, southwesterners, and they were ignored, but often the most patriotic. And he said, why don't you go represent us? And he goes, I don't think the people in Virginia really have our best interest in, in mind. I don't think that they really care and understand the people. I'm going to go in there and change it. 
He could have won in 1824 and probably did on the popular vote, but it took him another four years after a controversy. Let's slow down there. So he's running against whom? John Quincy Adams, the establishment. And he, well, and he loses against Adams on the electoral yep. college vote. He wins yep. the popular vote. Yep. And he's furious about that, right? And his supporters are furious about yep. that. They feel they were ripped off. They feel the yep. election was stolen from them. Mm-hmm. So he plots for four, four, in four years from then. And he runs against the same man. What happens? He wins. And you know what's important that you just brought up? He showed up at the inaugural party. He did not walk around bitter. He didn't look to undermine. He just looked to reload. You mean he didn't do and, a book tour blaming the Russians or anything? Wait a second. Let me check again. Let me. Nope. Let's I have nothing check. here about the Russians. Yes, it's amazing. amazing. How about the British? Well, did he blame them? Wait, let me see. I mean, page of three. Nothing. Nothing no. about the okay. British. It, right. It's called winning. That's the way it is. He, he cared more about the country and keeping it together. And he feared if he was going to protest. He, he knew he had more votes, but he didn't want to tear the country apart. He'd figure out a way to win within the system. And he did. He brought his case to the people. And the vote was so overwhelming, it wasn't even close. And his predecessor despised him so much. And John Quincy Adams was a great man and a genius, clearly. Not a great leader, perhaps. But he cared, loved this country. You know, Jefferson was his mentor. John Adams was, uh, you know, John Adams was his dad. He knew Washington. He watched the Revolutionary War unfold. So I have nothing against John Quincy Adams. I mean, he's brilliant. But John Quincy Adams was so bitter and thought he was so unworthy, he didn't even stick around for the inauguration. And uh, that's what caused the chaos afterwards. There was no security. There was nothing. So when they went back to the White House, it was party time. They tore the place apart. Right. People were all over the grounds, right? Yeah. And by the way, uh, John, uh, Andrew Jackson was really tough on his, prede- on his predecessors in his inaugural speech. And guess who his predecessors were? The Founding Fathers. So mm-hmm. you're on, everyone's on Trump for not being kind to Bush and Carter and Reagan and, and perhaps and certainly President Obama and Clinton. But my goodness, Andrew Jackson had a problem with the Founding Fathers. Well, here's the thing. We, Jackson we, was not my favorite president, but he was a great general. And this battle was crucial, which is really the focus of your book. I, I don't want to do John Meacham's book. It's been done. Yeah, because we can get into the Second National Bank and how yep. he defunded it. It led to a massive depression that fell into the lap of Martin Van Buren and all that stuff. But your point is, this man helped save America sometime British. after the Revolutionary War from the same forces, the British. And Wellington, by the way, was one of the greatest military men in the history of the long history of Britain. Right, and Packingham, his, his brother-in-law, had Wellington's troops. Wellington had a suspicion that Americans were going to be really tough to defeat. He goes, I don't imagine us having too much success there, but they were still steamrolling us. But the, America does this thing, we adjust, we make mistakes, and we adjust, and we don't quit. And that's what happens. The British want a clean victory, a European-style theater, and we're saying, no, we're, just going, to, we're going to go into the woods, we're going to go into the swamps, we're going to harass we're going to do whatever it takes. And when they first land in New Orleans, they're partying. They're hanging out. And in come our guys as soon as night falls with Jackson. They says they will not have one. They will not sleep what, one night uh, of have one night of restful sleep on our soil. And they attach them. They attack them with hatchets. And they cut them up. There was 500 casualties. We had 10. And the British said, "What are we getting into?" It's because Jackson fiercely hated the British loved this country, felt he owed everything to this country. 
It was the pure, you know, is the patriotism that we seek today. He saw how great we could become even then. And if they didn't, just picture this. Picture America stopping for another 50 years at the Mississippi. You know, picture us being landlocked in our own place. This is the documents that are revealed. They wanted to lock us in our own country. They wanted to form an American Indian nation on one side, which was friendly to the British. And they wanted to hold us back with the Spanish and British and, and maybe even the French again on the south. And they were just going to lock us in. But instead, we couldn't be denied. And I, and I think, to, I think I, what I try to do is not write this for Yale or Harvard. I try to write this for the everyday American that wants to know one more great thing about our past. You know, and I want my audience to know, and I'm sure they do already, the passion you bring to this, and they can hear it in your voice, is, is it comes across in your writing. And you know these subjects, you, and it, which is obvious just by listening to you. You know them backwards and forwards. You dig into this stuff. And uh, this isn't, you know, slapdash, surface-oriented stuff. Even though it's in plain English, you do learn a lot from your books, which is why I really enjoy going to your book signings. That, and you, gotta, and, you know, and uh, you pay for lunch. But seriously, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but seriously, Barnes & Noble, that's a big bookstore. It's a big area. My brothers and sisters in Tyson's Corner area in McLean, Virginia, or Vienna, if you, you prefer. Uh, Brian's going to be there 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. And you know what that means, an hour and a half? You're not going to have a lot of time. So you've got to get in there yeah. and get in line. And then he's going to, that evening, he's going to be at the Barnes & Noble at uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, on yep. Silver Parkway, Carl D. Silver Parkway, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And for the rest of us, if you want to get the book, you go to Amazon.com. The name of the book is Andrew Jackson and the Miracle of New Orleans, The Battle That Shaped America's Destiny, or just put Brian Kilmeade in there and it'll pop up. It's his new book. And you can get it in any major bookstore, any major warehouse store, any little independent store. And I'm telling you, it is a really, really intriguing and compelling book. Another one. How many books have you written? Well, this is five, two sports books and three history books. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that and as soon as I start them, as you know, when you start going with the meeting with these historians and going through the stuff, it, it is like... Uh, which you see on television with National Treasure, you just feel like you're going where you belong. Because mm -hmm. I love American history. I know there's other history out there, but I love finding out more about mm -hmm. us. And it just puts, helps put this in perspective of what we're going through. Now, everyone, you know, people listen to you now, they're driving trucks, they've already worked two jobs, you know, they might be retired, and they say, you know, I don't have time to dig, to dig into our history. So my hope is to get to whet people's appetite and arm them with some perspective about what we're going through right now, because people think it's cataclysmic. It is really not. It's mm -hmm. part of the process. We want it to be better. It's ugly, but we're a self-correcting country. We do things wrong, but we get better. And, and that's the story of all our wars and our yep. political system. And, you know, when I'm watching the, the chaos going on today, I'm curious, but it's not unprecedented, you know, when people are on Capitol Hill turning on each other for their own self-interest. And I think that's what we witnessed today. All right, my brother. Give your cousin my best, too. I forget it. What's his name again? Uh, cousin Phil. Uh, I love that cousin is. Phil. He loves you. He's the man, way, baby. The I'll be at the Heritage on Friday in Washington at, at uh, 2 to 4, so I hope to see you there. All right. Uh, Heritage Foundation? Yes. 2 to 4 this Friday. Very, yeah. very good. All right, Brian, kill me. You're a good man. Good luck and God bless, brother. Congratulations on everything, Mark. All right, you too. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
This is perfect. LifeLock can simply say, perfect. You know, the Equifax breach that impacted roughly 143 million customers, it just got bigger. They've now added 2.5 million people to that list. Truthfully, they don't know. It could be even more than that. Now, if that's not bad enough, Yahoo announced that their 2013 breach impacted all 3 billion user accounts. Triple their original estimate. You should know, once your personal information has been exposed, it doesn't just go away. Identity thieves can buy your information on the dark web for months, even years after the actual breach. They can use it to commit crimes in your name, even steal from your 401k. Now's the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats and will alert you if your information is being used. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. That's LifeLock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. But use promo code LEVIN in either case. That's LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Again, visit LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Save 10% now by using promo code LEVIN. And then they're simply safe. Nothing is as essential as protecting your home. But getting traditional home security can be a punishing and expensive task. Now, there's a better way. Protect your family and your home with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe got rid of everything that makes home security a hassle. They make it easy for you. There's no long-term contract. There's no wires. There's no obligations. And you can cancel any time you want. So Simply Safe earns your business every day with incredible service. This is award-winning home security. Tech magazine CNET calls it better, smarter home security. Now Simply Safe protects your home around the clock with 24-7 professional monitoring. If there's a problem, they'll send the police. This service costs just $15 a month with Simply Safe. That's three times less than what the other guys charge. And there are no hidden fees. Protect your family, protect your home today. You can buy Simply Safe at your local Best Buy and have your home protected by tonight. Or to get your 10% off, visit simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com. Get the special 10% off your system. That's simplysafemark.com for 10% off your home security system. One more time, simplysafemark.com. Frank. Long Neck, Delaware, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm great. You're on, brother. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, Mark, first I want to start out with just thanking you for opening my eyes to what's going on. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia as a young kid. Um, Didn't know a lot about anything. Uh, My uh, grandfather died, my leader. My dad died, my leader. I had nobody to teach me. I had nobody to tell me which way to go. I tried to learn on my own. I worked two jobs. I worked three jobs. I got married when I was 19. I've done everything I could freaking do to actually make ends meet. And I've done this for years. And I've actually became not, I'm not going to say successful. I I got 20 seconds. You know uh, what? You're You're fascinating to me. Can I get your number and we'll call you tomorrow? Yeah. Don't hang up. 
Please get his number, Mr. Call Screener, and remind me to call him tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And you, the American people, God bless you. Check out Levin TV in two minutes, and I'll see you tomorrow on the radio. Be well.